Yeah, what's up? Uh, thank you for listening to Chaos Therapy. I'm Leighton Jordan, obviously. So I'm doing this by myself, and uh, I know that <clears throat> I do this where I'm like being honest. I like being honest. I'm usually giving my honest thoughts and honest opinions, but I'm never really as vulnerable as I feel I can. And I don't know why, really. I think I am sometimes. I don't think it's uh, on purpose, but I'm going to start. There's going to be a bit of a part series, so I don't know when I'm going to finish it, but I know I'm going to do this shit and knock it all out. But I think I've said it like I didn't grow up with my mom and dad. Birth mom and dad. And I know a lot of kids didn't. And I think I'm not trying to get into woe is me. I'm just literally just saying. And I think that's probably why I don't talk about a lot of things. Just because like people have it worse. Like if you're in Palestine, your life is considerably worse than mine right now. And I get that. And I think everything has perspective. And I think that's one of the reasons why I never ask people to pray for me. Just because it feels selfish. Like there are people with cancer. There are people who lost loved ones recently. There are people who are actually dying themselves. Like... And I'd feel really stupid asking, hey, guy, can you help me with this small problem where I'm feeling insignificant or I'm feeling explicitly angry? And I feel like it would be a huge disservice. So I don't really ask. Like, I've really never asked about my love life for the same reason. And I feel like I really haven't deserved it. Like, this is going to be hard. Like. I, the way, the place I grew up was dope, considering, but for my personality type, it was the worst because every day going to school, I was angry. Even if I was happy, like it could turn at any point. Like I have this weird family trait and I know I get it from my dad's side and I know I get it from my mom's side. It may not go like my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, my mom. All had tempers to the like, thankfully, my mom's tempers super calmed down. But my grandfather's was turn of a hat. Let's go. And I think just because how he was raised and how he grew up, he grew up in the 30s. You know, as a black man, he was a civil rights activist, so he'd seen the worst of people. He'd also low key been some of the worst of people. He's dealt with the worst of people. And so that mechanism that clicks on to where, boom, let's go, let's do it. What the fuck are you willing to do? So I get kind of much like, I really carry this rage with me a lot. And it's completely self-induced, but a lot of it, like I said, just hereditarily coming from a situation where Everything is can go to DEFCON 5 in a minute, in a second. And, no, and it goes completely, I don't want to just take you out. I'll take me out. I'll take everyone around us out. I'll burn this entire fucking city down for just a slight, like for just disrespect. And it's not healthy, dude. And recently I felt like, and I think a lot of it is just this rage and wanting to and, and wanting to keep everything that I have because I lost so many things at the drop of a hat. Like losing friends, especially out of something that I did, hurts. 
like, my homegirl Olivia not cool with her no more just because of me being a dick. Not just dick, but just my social media being wild and stuff like that. And just us not vibe. Like, she's on a different plane mentally. And I just wasn't. Not. I'm just not. And I get that. Uh, my boy Andre, we just stopped talking. Do not fucking know why. Don't know. You won't tell me. And naturally, like, if you told us like, hey, it's because you stole something from me or <clears throat> you lied to me or something. Or, like, you, you did something fucked up. Not just I'm just not fucking with you no more. That that gets to me. Because that puts me back in that abandonment feeling. Motherfuckers just leave without saying shit. <clears throat> you don't hear from them. Which is super ironic because I do that now. But I keep everything fucking tucked in just because I've always kind of... Like, I, I talk through here. Like, I had counsel, but just, like, there's so many other things that are going through my mind at that time. Like, I don't give myself the right venue to talk about what I'm talking about. But it's, like, for me, man, it's, I, like, I have a chip on my shoulder, fucking cinder block. And a lot of it just comes from being competitive. I come from also a very sports driven family all of my family members played sports and we excelled at it to the fullest extent that we can whether it be pick up basketball whether it be football whether it be bas- soccer like skateboard what skateboarder was the only thing that i wasn't really competitive in that was the one thing that i took to so much because i just enjoyed the challenge of learning to where it was all me it wasn't I've, i played a lot of team-based sports Like, golf, I think I've always had an appreciation for, too, just because it's just you. It's just you learning the lay of the land, doing the research. Like, you can take yourself out of it emotionally if you put yourself into it mentally. And the payoff is dope. You get a low score, you know? And with skateboarding, the same thing. It's just like you, you land a trick that you've been trying. You dreamed it up. You thought about it. You thought about different angles. Like it gets frustrating because you're not getting it when you get closer and closer. But that's dope. Like you're not as mad when you super fuck up in the beginning. But as you get closer, as you get closer, as you get closer, like you feel frustrated because like, I'm better than this. I know I can do this. And for me, it's always been. This chip on my shoulder, especially being a black kid growing up around all white kids, all white kids for the greater portion of my life. And playing in teams with all white kids, dealing with all white kids. And not even just all, but just kids that are different, white suburban kids. It's not like I grew up with white poor kids. So you're constantly having to prove yourself. So you, I'm, I lived most of my life in prove yourself mode. And I think that's one of the things with athletes because like, oh, they miss the top camaraderie. Like they miss the like Sundays they love, but like game days they love, but practice like, fuck, I hate this shit because it's, it's that grind. But they love the reward. <clears throat> and... For me, it's always been 
people don't think you're good. Like, I've always, instead of being encouraged, like, yeah, you can do this shit, you can do this. Like, man, you ain't shit. You ain't going to do nothing. You ain't shit. Like, you're a bitch. You're a pussy. You ain't going to do shit. Like, oh, nigga, for real? Like, okay, bet. In that challenge of, I'm going to shut you down. Like, bro, you're not scoring. So get that out of your head. Me to them. Like, bro, like, I'm going to put, I'm going to drop 30 on you. How many points I'm going to put up, that's how many fucking points I'm putting up on you. In that fight, I'm comfortable with it. I'm very comfortable with people telling me that I can't do shit and me fucking proving it. But it's only for fleeting shit. Or mainly for fleeting shit. If it was, if someone been like, hey, you can't get straight A's. And like they challenged me to it. I, if it was one of the white kids that I grew up with, like people that I had beef with, I'd have did that shit. Like I only work in shoulder chip mode. Like, that's it. I only, I'm my best when I'm angry. When I'm proving something. Not even to myself, but to other fucking people. If I'm proving something to myself that'll help me prove it to other people, that's where I'm at. And I think that is the biggest fucking difference of how I put myself in these situations. But I'm also in living in the scarcity. Like, I'm going to lose it. Because I lose things, either through my fault or by something I did or didn't do, or no fault of my own. So, I get very much in the stupid, like a kid, like, if I'm done playing with a toy and someone wants it, I don't care. But if I'm still playing with it, or I haven't, I'm not just done playing with it, and someone takes it from me, or if it goes away to where I can't use it, I don't have access to that, that fucking kills me. And like, it's like how kids would be like, well, if I can't play with it, I'm going to just break it. That's me. Because I'm not done with it yet. And it's super selfish. And we might even be fucking toxic together. Like my last relationship with my ex, like Alex, like it wasn't great. Like, could things have been better? Could I have tried? But yeah, but like, I think I was on my way out, but I wasn't on my way out as much as she was. Like, I thought like after a while, I thought it could be salvageable. Cause I was, I was super on my way out, but then my dad died and then I lost my job. Like, because I was on my way out, I was like, I'm not dependent on her clearly. And I realized we were in a rut in like October, like, yo, this, this isn't doing it. And it's not that I didn't love her. It's not that I didn't see myself being with her. Just like we weren't growing in a, in the relationship as much as we should have, or I felt we could have like, we're clashing a lot more. And I hate that. I hate clashing. I hate clashing with a person who I'm supposed to be riding with. And this is a woman that I gave up my marriage for. This is a woman that I, like, fought for and would have done anything for. And still, in some days, I would do anything for her. Like, I love her. Like, that's, if someone hurt her, I would, again, burn down this entire city. Most, then, like, if there's 30 days in a month, probably like 10 days. Some days, I don't give a fuck about her. But the reason is because I like I don't have access to it. That's not my fucking problem. Like if like there's some days, especially like yesterday, if some if she if some be like, hey, we're gonna kill your baby mom, we're gonna slit her throat and drag her around fucking high street. I'd be like, hey, do what you gotta do. Leave me the fuck out of it. Does that just don't hurt my kid? Just don't hurt my kid. Do whatever the fuck you want. Fuck that bitch. Kill her. Hell, I I can tell you where she's at probably, but that's not everyday thing. And it's that that loss of access is something that I was still trying to fight to save. Like, yo, shit, I need this person. I'm dependent on it. And then everything got ripped away from me. And there's nothing. 
And I think what happened was in 2013, when I was just getting over being suicidal and I was just going into regular self-destruction, like I was a massive fucking cheater. I cheated on my wife all the fucking time. And it's not that I didn't love my wife or I hated my wife or that I hate women or anything. It's just that I now have access to everything that I thought I always wanted. And I don't want to fucking lose that. And she will hate me to the day that I fucking die. And I get that. <clears throat> Do I wish you would let it go? Yeah, of course. <clears throat> but that hurt people feel is that hurt that people are going to feel. There's nothing I could do to make it up for it without giving her, I don't know. Like, I'd have to, literally, she'd have to watch me slip my own wrist and throat. And I think she'd finally be satisfied. But that's the situation I created because I'm acting out of scarcity, just like y'all want it all. Oh, I have access to this girl? Cool. And I think what happened was like, I, you get access to the things that you felt you deserved your entire life. Like, yo, I want this hot ass girl. She wants me. I'm going to do it. Fuck all the trials and tribulations and the loyalty and the risk that this woman put for us to went through for us to be together. And the things that she's have to deal with. And all this and other girls that I fucking dated. Between Alex, between Barbie, like, yeah, like, bro, this was, it was me being fucked up. It was me being selfish and self-destructive and not caring about anybody. But I still had that fucking, and I think a lot of it is due, uh, the environment that you allow yourself to be sucked into. Everybody I was with was, everybody I was cool with had a girlfriend and a chick that they're fucking. That was just not, that was just the par for the course. All of us. And because I'm getting accolades and getting the, you know, the the yayas and the, hey, you're doing it. And you come out and motherfuckers is giving you high fives. Like, yo, this girl's hot. She's dope. She wants to be with, like, oh, she's sexy as shit. You know, you get the, the trophy and just like, I'm I'm finally reaping the rewards that I put in that for the work I put in for 26 fucking years. But it was never really... A lot of my successes were never really as enjoyable as I thought they would be or as I felt that they should be. Like I'd go home feeling empty and guilty as shit for fucking cheating on not only my wife, but then my fucking subsequent girlfriend and the other girls that I fell in, fell in, found myself attracted to and drawn to. Like, bro, this is stupid. Like, I feel guilty. And then you come down, because a lot of it's fucking alcohol and drug and fuel, mostly Molly and fuel. You know, the last time I can say, before recently, I was with a chick and I did not do anything dirty, like, I didn't cheat on her or anything, was Stacy, my oldest son's mom. And the reason is, I was so raw and so distraught and so traumatized from my suicide attempt literally it, it there's there there's nothing i would have did for that girl if she just said like hey let's get married like two weeks after us meeting i did it i would shamelessly did it because i've been like finally i have someone to fucking love me finally I have someone that wants to be with me someone that sees me as a person that's not stringing me along that's not treating me like I'm a piece of shit that isn't taking me for granted that sees me and wants to help me with the trauma that I've been through 
But then that went away, and it's like, and so 2012 on, like, bro, I was just off the deep end. Nothing fucking mattered. I was like, all right, bet. I'm going to do this shit. I'm going to wild the fuck out. But it's like, bro, like, I've, I've always carried this rage. Always. It's driven me. It's pushed me. It's carried me. It's done so many things for me that I don't know who or what the fuck I am without it. Without this chaos, this penchant for it, I, don't, I couldn't tell you who the fuck I am. I couldn't tell you who the fuck I was. I couldn't tell you who I fucking want to be. And there's times I still can't. Like, I can't lift. Like, I can't go to the gym and lift without listening to uber-aggressive music. That's all I know. It's like, oh, no, I just rebirth. Like, bro, like, no. For 20-plus years since I started lifting or doing anything physical where it's have to push or fight through something, I need to be angry. <clears throat> Play, growing up playing football, I was like, yo, you got to hit him. He wants to, like, the coaches tell you, and you're a kid, they're going to take your toys. They're going to take your snacks. And I'm not faulting them for it because there's other kids who get that shit and, and live perfectly healthy lives, mentally healthy lives. But for me, when I'm already predisposed to that, especially as a kid, when you're already angry all the time, you're confused all the time. Why, why doesn't my mom want me? Why is she gone all the time? Why doesn't my dad want me? Is he ever getting out of jail? Like, why doesn't he write? Why doesn't he talk to me? Why are these kids picking on me? <clears throat> you know, I don't. Why are they making fun of me? I remember one of the things that sticks out to me to this day, like it's ingrained in me. I remember it was a, a March because it was still kind of cold out. And I remember playing basketball. I was in third grade. It was my first year at Pickerton, Fairfield Elementary, where my son goes. I was in third grade. And we're playing basketball. And everybody's picking teams. And all of a sudden, it's me and two of my homies against like six kids. And then one of the other kids said, said something. Actually, I know what the fuck it was. Zaren Laughlin. He said something. It's like, why are you on that loser's team? And so all of a sudden, it's me versus eight kids. It's me versus nine kids. It, felt, it, it got up to the points where it's like me versus ten kids playing basketball. And this sticks in me. Because, again, I'm new. And there's only four black kids. In that entire fucking, in my entire grade. And none of those other niggas was in my fucking class. They definitely went around recess that day. And I don't even think they would have joined up with me. Because I knew Chris Griffin wasn't. Those are all his homies. He was on their side. Sean Jackson wasn't. He was new. I don't know where Sterling Mullins was, but those are the four kids that were four black four black boys that were in my grade that were my age. And so I remember that, and I've I've always kept that with me. 
And I remembered those fucking faces and I remembered those kids and I beefed them through high school. And the crazy thing is, a lot of those motherfuckers were on my soccer team. They're my basketball team junior year, which I was almost, if it wasn't for my boy Joe, shouts to Joe Hayes, and my dude Jason Duncan, and Taco. Like, there's, there's a few, a few people that I was, that were black that I wasn't beefing with, and Byron and Kenny, because they, even though they're great younger, they, we lived in the same neighborhood, and so I was cool with them. They had my back. They came from Columbus Public later, so they had my back and shit. But it was, it's the same motherfuckers like, bro, like, you don't get it. I will tear your fucking teeth out right now just because you're talking shit. And the only reason I'm not is because we're on the same fucking team. And motherfuckers will know who I am and that did not, there's no, you'll call the cops and there's no getting away from it. It won't be, like, even if I beat you fair and square, your parents are going to call the fucking cops because, Lord forbid, their shit-talking kid get his ass whooped. So, but senior year soccer, yeah, just, I was only black kid, and at practice, I fucking hated, I love game day, because I love fucking playing, and they're my teammates, so if you're from another town, I'm gonna rob my teammates, I'm not gonna let you get in a dirty tackle, I'm not gonna let you do anything fucking super shady to my teammates, because we're from the same town, it's still Pickerington over everything, it's 4 3 one 4 7 as much as I had my issues growing up there, it's that's still my time. That's still my people. That's still um, that's still the lineage where my kids get, and where two of my kids are going to be at. And so, I've always just had this rage, this huge chip on my shoulder, and it activates very fucking quickly. And it's like, and also being, having depression and being suicidal, bro, it's like, if I always, there's this, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, yo, if you're digging, if you're plotting revenge, dig two graves. I've been suicidal since 1999, on and off. Suicidal, self-destructive, on and off. I've never truly been at peace since 1999, maybe 1998, but I know it's definitely sixth grade. So... With that being said, like, yo, is that what we're doing? Bet. <clears throat> like, oh, it's, this is what needs to, I need to go, I need to be, like, I, I'll die if I continue this mission? I right, bet. Sign me up. What's going on? How we doing this? And that's always been my, and so I've never, I've never had an issue with revenge. Never. Knowing what can happen. I just don't think I've. Something's always kept me from going through with it. Some opportunity that's better. Some conversation that calmed me down. Something that kept me from going fuck it and going completely scorched earth. Because I know I have the tendency to do that. And I would do that. Because I come from a family of people who've done that. Like, everything's not going the way you like it. All right, cool. Or I'm liking it. All right, bet. Let's just not talk. Like, I've crashed more relationships in the beginning because of not bending on something, even something stupid, just because, like, all right, this is what you like. All right, cool. I'm done. And I don't think about how that feels to people because I don't think I've always been able to come to 
communicated in a productive manner. Like I'm feeling distraught. Like I'm feeling, I get what you're feeling and I'm also feeling left behind. I'm feeling led astray. I'm feeling abandoned. So before I allow you to abandon me and then have the upper hand, I'll abandon you and just ruin everything. But in the inverse, I'm super loyal. Like the people who I call my friends, I would die for them. I would sacrifice my life for them, for them to just be happy or just be at peace. And I say that and I don't think my friends get what I mean by that. Because people say shit like that all the time. Like, oh, I'd die for you, bro. Like, no, bro. Like, literally, if it came down to me and you and one of us had to go, I'm out. Even though I have kids that need me, even though I have family also that loves me, even though I have friends that love me and everything else, like, that I'm in the moment. Like, dive on the grenade type of dude. And it's it's very much all or nothing. So much of my life has been all or nothing. And I've lived like that. And it's not fucking healthy. Like, I wish there was a way that I could make peace between my ex-wife and I. Because I know she carries that same rage. Like, I think that was one of the things that kept us together. And that was the thing that pushed us apart. Because we were into, and we were talking because of me and her. Like, she would say something really fucked up, and then I wouldn't know how to process I would be put back into that mode of feeling betrayed and not knowing how to properly convey what I'm feeling and sit down and have a productive conversation with this person who I swore under God to love and cherish and to have and to hold and protect. That just didn't fucking happen. I will go scorched earth. Like, oh, you're just like your dad. The fuck are you talking about? Oh, that's why you, well, that's why you went drunk, drunk bleach. Why the fuck are you bringing that up right now? And I feel like if it, if the, the moment called for, if I did something, like it was never over anything fucked up, but it would cause something fucked up. Like, for me, I would, if days I didn't have to go, I didn't have to, I would come home from selling Molly, or if I didn't have to go and see that anything, I would like to sit at home, dose up, take Molly, and play PlayStation. But I'm at home, and she would like, oh, you're rolling again? Well, why can't we just go to bed? I don't have to be up in the morning. And also, at the time, I'm making more than you, so what the fuck do you want from me? And in the mean shit starts flying. It could have been better if it's like, look, I like when we spend time together. I like when we spend time together when you're not high. Can we please just cuddle till I fall asleep? And then maybe you can do it like a compromise. But everything was all or nothing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Everything was all or nothing. And it just created this energy of res- total resentment. And I hate that. And in all the turmoil and the paranoia, self-induced, obviously, because I didn't have to sell drugs. I could went and fucking got a job, especially after we got a fucking second car. So I was like, all right, bet. This is something that I can fucking do. 
but I would create this turmoil and then I would react badly to it. And it's funny, like my dad always said, like, like you always you always wait till something's in chaos mode and then you want to start scrambling and hope that you squeak through on shit. I did that with school. Like I did that with everything that meant something. I did that with chores. Like I remember or just like anything that was important. Like I remember uh, from ages like seven or eight to like 14 when I started having soccer practice, probably 15. My mom would give me these packets during the summer and and it'd be different subjects. And they weren't hard. They weren't hard at all. Even for the like they weren't hard. Very much paint by numbers. Just knock this out. Most kids like I got them on Monday. Most kids would have just knocked it out on Monday. Me, I'm waiting and it had to be done by Sunday at seven. And if I didn't get it done, I couldn't go out. Like, I couldn't, I could go outside, but, like, I'm not going, if my friends are going to an amusement park, if they're going anywhere, like, if I'm, they're, they're spending the night somewhere, like, I, I couldn't do it because I didn't finish the package. And my mom would be like, don't come ask me if you can do so, because the answer's going to be no. You're going to be essentially grounded. And at least three or four weeks out the summer, I wouldn't get it done. And then I'd be mad at myself. And then I'd be sad. Like, nigga, this is your fault. Like, this is your fault. You could have did this shit at any given point in time, but you wait to the last minute and then you don't get it completely done. Or you turn it in at 7.15, knowing that you were going to be gone from Friday to Sunday. You should have just did that shit. But I didn't. Having, and it's weird, and my son gets this too, Quentin, like, you have faith. You know how smart you are and you have faith in your own abilities to the point where it's to your fucking detriment. <laughs> like you you work well in chaos because you've created so much chaos that that's all you know. You can't be a fucking you can't being a wartime general is great during wartime, but it's horrible during peacetime. Because you're always going to be looking, there's going to be times you have to be a diplomat. And just for me, I I, I hate it. Like, I hate that I allow people to get me angry. Like, I hate, like, it's, and I, if you slight me, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to that. Until I find, like, some semblance of absolute peace. But the thing is, I never truly seek it. Because... This chaos, this anger, this rage, it pushes me. It's protected me. It's protected those I love. It's protected those I like. It's kept me safe in situations. No, like the other person knowing that I'm willing to take it further than they are. Like it's gotten me adulation. Like emceeing was fun. I loved it. But it did not bring me the peace that I felt that it should have or that I felt that it could have. And here's why I'm proving myself. And I'm in a situation where I have to prove myself case in point. And I think I probably talked about this me or not me, my boy B Rob and I, and we became boys. Like what happened was, so I got to take it back in 2000, late 2011, 2012, one of the dudes I grew up with, and we actually weren't as cool 
when we first linked up back in like eighth grade, my dude, James Cotto, uh, like that's my brother. I love him to death. And he's put me in a lot of positions to where I can thrive and prove myself. Like I owe so much to him. My reputation as an MC, a lot of friends that I made, a lot of connections that I made, either in business or personal. Um, definitely two of my four children. Yeah, because I met Tina MCing and then I met Alex MCing. If it wasn't for me MCing, I wouldn't have fucking met him. But anyway, so I would always hang out with him. Like after 2000, like after like May 2011, after I got my car, I started going out more and I was always going to EDM parties and stuff like that. Wednesdays, I'd go to circus when that was still open. It's Condado Tacos now. Shout out to them, I guess. Um, Thursday, it'd be Saloon, which is no longer around. Friday, it'd be Long Street, which was a big night. And then Saturday would be Social and Saloon and Patio and shit like that. Like, we'd go back and forth, like these are the clubs. And I'd always be with Corrupt, Corrupt and Rusty. Shouts to Rusty, too. I love them, too. Those are my homies. I appreciate them a lot. Like, they gave me a weird... They gave me something to look forward to in a weird sense of direction at a time where I had absolutely none. My life was just drab. Um, Yeah, just coming off of trying to kill myself, trying to find who I was. Me and Stacy had just split. Just because when we met, we were both working at Pizza Hut. So we knew we were going to see each other at least once during the week because we worked together. A lot of things go back and forth. But like after she quit and I started working at another restaurant, like we just didn't see each other as much. And she was pregnant. And like that's a time where I really needed her because there's times I'm still going fucking through it, feeling suicidal. And also now feeling abandoned. And we have this kid coming. Especially when I found out it was a boy. Like, oh, shit. Like, this is. And as much as we tried, we just could not. We couldn't make the relationship work as much as I feel like we could have. And then she had her own addiction issues and stuff like that. But, like, again, 2011, 2012, I start hanging with Corrupt. And that's his DJ name. And what happens is I'm carrying cases. I'm in there. Like, I'm meeting people. I'm meeting on a bar people. Like, everybody that's cool with my boy, I want to be cool with them, too, just because they're cool with my boy. Like, yo, if, if you're around my peoples, I need to check and see if you're solid. Because I don't want nothing happening to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want anything bad happening to him. I don't want nobody trying to jump him. I don't want nobody trying to rob him. I don't want no girls that are underage trying to come and get him set up. None of that shit. So I'm very, I'm very protective of my peoples and especially him because we go back so far. Like we're, fuck, man, this is like knowing each other 10 years and shit. I'm kicking out his house. So it's always us. And so they close down Long Street and they're opening up Sugar Bar too. Now Sugar Bar was the original big young adult club, whatever in Columbus, top 40 shit like that. And he was, he was in the back room. Like he had grinded. And so for me, I didn't really want anything. Just, you know, just be around my boy. Be around my door, boy, get a couple of drinks. I'm already going to come fucked up, be a good job. You know what I'm saying? And I remember it's New Year's Eve going into 2000. 
Oh, another. Let me do this. I got banned from for selling Molly, and that broke his heart, and it broke my heart because I fucked up something that could have been for him. Like the look in his, and I remember the shit. I like the look in his eyes. Like, bro, like, bro, I love you, but just like you got banned. Like, you can't. You can't come back. And I was going like bras in 2000, most of 2012. I was just in a tizzy. Because I, I wasn't kicking it with my boy. And I ended up moving back home for a large portion of 2012. But like I wasn't really partying everything. But I was just lost. Because I just lost that community that I'd been building with. But I'm getting to it. Um... Uh, late 2012, they let me back in, kicking it, I'm in the best shape of my life, I'm playing soccer, I wanted to go play pro soccer, like, I kind of got, after I got out of that, I kind of started focusing on more positive shit, I'll go to work, I'll work out, go play soccer, I was, like, really serious about this shit, I was like, yo, I'm going to go pro, and that shit went bad, um, just because I forgot, like, I, I, have, I wear glasses, and I, I can't, I usually didn't play without glasses, and the glasses that I did, I didn't bring my playing glasses. So I was just all fucked up when I was there. I'll tell about that story later. But <clears throat> I remember we're opening Sugar and it's New Year's. New Year's Eve going into 2013. And Corrupt was like, hey, I just wanted to be me, Rusty. And Cr- Rusty was a lights guy and Crutch, Salsa Chris, who's also from Pickerton. Love this dude, dude. We never had any issues or anything. <laughs> Um, he's a year above us. He was the MC in the front room. I was like, man, I'd have spent all this time in the front, like, I'm like on stage, not in the crowd. You become very bougie when you're not in the crowd. Um, I would, I asked my, his dude Cypher, who I'd met for Corrupt's birthday earlier that year in March. He's a kid, dude from Dublin, shots to Cypher, love him. But he gave me a chance to MC. I was like, I didn't do this shit. Because it's literally just ad-libbing and controlling, and controlling the crowd and being positive and being crazy. Ooh, and all the shit that I love to fucking do in the first place. Just reacting to the music and being the fucking party and keeping as much pressure off the DJ and encouraging the DJ the most. And we made a fucking great team. Like, we're in the back room tearing it the fuck up. Like, we built... And it was all proof, and I'm getting, like, the point is, it's all proving yourself. Like, yo, I'm going to prove I'm dope in a fucking mic. I'm going to prove I'm the best in this fucking city, in the fucking state, in the fucking nation, in the fucking world, at this mic rocking shit. At being a live performer. And every night, just getting, being drunk, not sloppy, but, like, aggressive. And it was perfect, because Cypher would play... We played a hardest shit, but because the energy was so positive, there's never any fights ever the entire time we were back there. And we played the wildest shit, but the energy was so positive that nothing happened. So it's just like it's a great balance because usually when clubs in Columbus go dark, they're expected go dark, meaning, quote unquote, a start playing hip hop. Mostly they start letting niggas in. They start being super lax with dress codes. You know that owner that ownership group is finna cash out and close this bitch the fuck down. Columbus does not have black clubs for the most part that give a shit about black people. I think it's changing now, but that's just kind of how it was back then. But for me, it's like 
Yo, prove yourself. That's all it was. Prove yourself. But I never... And it was, but it was always something more. Cause like, yo, I want to, I'm in the back room. Like I want the front room, I want the front room. And then I got the opportunity because the money was getting fucked up with James. And so he left. He got a new deal with another ownership group. And so they brought in this dude, they brought in this dude, Brandon. And every, and me and my, in this, by this time, Ken had moved to Atlanta. Not Ken, uh, Cypher had moved to uh, Atlanta, I think to finish school and shit. And my dude Ken was there. Like, and me and Ken just he was in the back room. And we fucking we had a blast too. Nothing changed. I think it just got wilder because Ken was such a vocal and wild guy. Cypher's mad quiet, but Ken oh, he'll jump on the mic. We'll go back and forth. The shit was great. But <clears throat> that anger was still in me. Like I'm proving this shit. And then once they brought in Brandon. Who he was, people knew B-Rob, but they knew him because in Columbus, for the most part, there's a campus, campus, the campus club and bar scene, and then there is the downtown, and then there's a short north, like there's different parts, but the main ones are campus, with the biggest crowds, campus, and arena district, where if you're not from Columbus, Nationwide Arena, where our hockey, t- uh, Columbus Blue Jackets play, that's what it is, it's called the arena district. It's older crowd, usually more upscale, shit like that. But <clears throat> where Sugar was in Red or slash Red Zone was by the court. Like it was downtown, but it was not near the Arena District. It was just this old re- legendary club that was just massive. Literally, like if you think the feel of Studio Fifty Four was that, and we're in the back room and we're we're drawing numbers every week. Because no one thought about it. Like, oh, I don't play hip-hop. It'd be a couple of kids, and a couple of kids there. But just like the more and more me and Cypher built that. Cypher and I built that room. Uh, Ken and I built that. Continued to build that room. Like, And so we thinking, oh, be, uh, Corrupt's gone. Uh, Crutch is gone because that's his homie. Bet. They're leaving. But I'm like, yo, I'm staying. Because I made connections with Corrupt's promoters. And I knew all the bar people and the owners and everything else like that. And so... Me, Ken and I was like, yo, we're finna get the front room. And then we see on the flyer, it's going to be Rob and our dude, Adam. I love Adam. Adam Caverman is a real ass dude. We've had a few issues, but never anything. It's usually just people saying or doing something stupid when they're drunk. I don't think it's ever been malicious. Him and I have had great conversations. I've known him for the better part of a fucking decade. I wish him all the best, truly. And I hope he feels the same way. Um, But yeah, shouts to Adam Caverman. Uh... And they weren't going to bring him. And they had Paul and Alex before they got. Uh, and shouts to Alex, shouts to Paul, um, you and Cindy and Alex uh, Gordon, Vlex. I never really had any. For what I know, I've never really had any issues with those dudes. If they had issues with me, I, they never really brought it to my face. So I kind of keep it at that. But <clears throat> me and Karen, are like, bro, we're finna kill. Like, this is going to be like, oh, they're bringing in beer. Like, bro, we hadn't been, he hasn't been with us. This motherfucker ain't, doesn't know our scene. Like, he don't kick it with us. Like, the fuck is him? And it was just like this, that that anger came back in me. That prove it. Like, it was straight wolf mode. Like, we were fucking ready. And for a good half hour, we, me and Ken were throwing the best set combo ever. I mean, it was fucking flawless. Straight tens all across the board. Like, we came through... Banger after banger after banger after banger after banger. 
and there were more people. And Adam, I love him, but his MC style is not mine. And for what they wanted for the club at that time, they needed someone to be a fucking riot. And I remember is me and my wife was back there with me because we used to pick up Ken and go and show up early and shit like that. Uh, Jason comes up to me and shouts to Jace. He beat cancer. Uh, Jason Rap, you much love, brother. Um, he comes back and gets me and he taps my shoulders like, hey, you want the front room? Man, all my loyalty to Ken went out the fucking door. It was gone. Like, bro, I was out that bitch so motherfucking fast. I went to get like, hey, fam, I'm finna go to the back room. I mean, I'm finna go up front. And I looked at my dude, Scar, uh, who was my boy Jada V's homie. Because by then, Jada V and his people came through and it was dope. And I was like, hey, you're the MC. You and Scar, peace, I'm going up front. And literally championship game type shit. And the next week, the same thing happened. Because I thought it was a fluke. But through that time, be like just through proving myself and always wanting to be the one to take the hits to for all the time. I was like, and I would tell Beer, like, bro, throw whatever the fuck you want, do what you want, I'll take the hits. I'll take all that. Because I'm used to that. I'm used to taking the brunt of everything, be it self-induced or not. I don't mind fighting the fucking world. Especially for myself, especially for my friends, especially for my family, like the people I love and hold dear. I don't. I do not mind that. I will gladly fight all 8 billion people on this planet to protect my people. I get emotional when I say that shit because I feel that. And I felt that my entire life. Like you get put... In these situations where, be it perceived or real, your back's against the wall. Or someone's trying to take something from you. And you, you, mm, just fist to the wall, man. And I don't even think a lot of my... A lot of my depression wasn't just about being sad. It's about wanting to pay. Like, my suicidal thoughts and ideations were just about the pain and then this pain and anger that I fucking have carried with me since before I was probably even born, bro. That just being there. And people doubting you and people disregarding you and people not taking you seriously and people wanting you to fall and hoping for it and fucking plotting. That shit, I I carry it. And so my relationship with B has always been like, yo, don't fuck with him. Me and him may have had our issues, but they've never been to the point to where we're just done being cool. Like, we've had our breaks and shit just because I'll be wilding, he'd be wilding, and then that's just it. But I think another part of our friendship that got stronger is when I moved to fucking Florida. Because I ended up staying with his boy, Matt. Now, Matt was always cool with B. That he was more so B-Rob's boy, and I think I've talked about this. He was always B's boy more than mine. But we both loved him just the same, just from, he, just longer. 
you know, from a different angle. They go back since high school. But to me and like and me and Matt, that's my homie. Matt's a homie, Matt's brothers, my like my like bro, Matt's mom. There's nothing I wouldn't do for Matt's mom. She she and I me and her got along so because it's just that same passion. That same chip on your shoulder. And Matt has that too. It's like we got like and B had that too. Because B's tiny. I, it's funny, like I throw short jokes at B and Matt all the time. But I'll tell them they know I but with every joke, there's like 15 I love you's coming after it. And thank yous and just being appreciative for their friendship and their trust and their 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 love for me and everything. And so I've 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 had that. And I've never been like friend like friend jealous. Like that's my best friend. Why are you doing with that? I've never had that. I've always been like, yo, the more people that can kick it with us, the more people that can that can be a part of the vibe, the merrier. Because I come from a big family, like a massive fucking family. So the more people that I have ally, allied with me, the better I feel. The better I feel I can perform, like the more comfortable I am. I'm super comfortable in big crowds if it's people that I ain't gotta worry about. <laughs> but it's like from football to basketball to soccer, like someone's always trying to take something from you or take you from something. And whenever I got into issues, everything's always been scorched earth. Any beef that I had, any situations that I created, yo, I'm willing to take it. I'm willing to die for whatever fucking respect that I got to get. Because just like, you have to be willing to take it further than anybody else. In order to keep yourself safe. I've avoided a lot, like I said, I've avoided a lot of beefs by just being crazier than another person. Like, I'm not going to hoot and holler and yell and scream like, nah, bro, if you, hey, you want to do this, you better be ready to fucking kill me. That's why I don't like fighting. I'll scrap at my boys and throw, you know, throw hands and stuff like that. I like the competition of it, but I don't like beef. Because I know how far it can go and I know how far the energy that I'm going to put out that I'm willing to take. One of us is going to have to be pulled off the other person and I'm and it's more than likely going to be me and I'm not stopping. You're going to have to knock me completely unconscious to where I can't move because I'm knocked unconscious or I'm dead because if I and if you get me and I hear you talking shit, bro, it's on for forever. I do not let grudges go. Because, and I like, I don't mind being the butt of jokes. Sometimes you do something stupid, you do something funny, people laugh at you. It is what it is. You take it, take the good, you take the bad, take them both in there, you have. You know, facts of life. It truly is. It truly is a facts of life. The good and bad. But it's like, if you're disrespecting me or if I feel you and your homies and you and your people are laughing at me and trying to clown me, oh, okay, that's what we're doing. You're not ready for whatever fury that I'm about to fucking bring because you started this shit. It could have been left at level three and we could have went from there and it could have had a conversation. Now, there's no conversation. 
whatever's about to happen, just know that this was supposed to happen. This is the fate that we've been sealed. I'll take, I'll meet you in hell and we will fucking go again. Like this is eternal. Because that process, that thought process has carried me to many victories where you fight through the foul and get the end one. Where you run through that person and get and get the tackle or, you know, where you get the goal because you just fought. You fought harder to get to that ball than another person. Or you get the tackle on the soccer field. Because that's how it is, man. That is the anger that I've carried with me and had to for so many fucking years to get to any success. And I don't know what else to do without it. Like I was talking to my older son. Older's, oldest son's mom. I was talking to Quinn's mom, Stacy, And I was just like, bro, like, I'm I'm angry. Because my baby mom's fucking triggered me again. And I hate using that fucking word. But she did. Over something that I probably should apologize for. But because I got back in that mode, bro, I'm not going to talk to you. I will ruin everything. I'll ruin my relationship with you. I'll ruin my relationship with my daughter. Just to prove to you, you're not going to fucking slight me. You're not going to disrespect me. You're not going to say just anything to me and think that there won't be consequences. And it's not like I'm going to go rot up on her and beat her ass. That's stupid. Like, I'm not going to pay someone to go fuck her up. No. When, when I have a beef, I handle that shit. I don't involve no one in my fucking beef that isn't already involved in it. If you come at my homeboy and then you come at me, bro, you got, it's me and my homeboy. And if he wants to stop it, bet. But if you involve me in it or if you come at me and you involve one of my peoples in it and they want to jump in, bro, I'm not stopping that because now I'm fighting for two or whoever you fucking involved. And I've I've never, I don't think, and I don't think that's ever going to go away. And sometimes I don't. I wish I could, like, tailor it more. Like, I really wish, like, I could listen to, like, 311 while I'm lifting. Or Day Wave, you know, or trance music. I don't, like, listen, I, like, have to listen to fucking... It can be a beautiful day outside, warm, sunny, like it is now. It's fucking gorgeous in Columbus right now. But when I go to gym, I'm going to be listening to the most aggressive shit. And all that pain that is just deep down in me is going to fester up to get me through that last set, that last rep. Running's different because it's a continuous and runner's high is a motherfucker. It's probably the greatest high. That's the greatest release of serotonin I've ever had. Is runner's high. And 
for me, like I said, bro, just so much of my life is just tied into fighting back trauma or jumping into traumatic situations because of my own fucking ego. Bro, like, it's easy, like, it, I'm very easily, not easily triggered, but just, like, as I've gotten older, I've weighed the stakes. I've tried to control my temper towards just, like, if some random person comes up on the stream, like, oh, Leighton, you're a bitch. Like, I don't know this person. This feels like a setup. I'm just going to go about my business. Like, you can't bait me in, into it. Like, most people can't. But if it keeps going, like, I only deal with tough talk and shit talk for two weeks. Because I'm trying to nip this shit in the bud. Because I'm trying to get back to some semblance of fucking peace. Like, do I want to kill my baby, Riley's mom's boyfriend? No. Do I want to fucking beat his ass? Yeah. And it's simple, bro, like, and it's not because you're dating my baby moms. Like, bro, my wife, and I've said this a million times to people, like, my wife got married. I don't want to fight her new husband. No, bro, you put the cops on me over your fuck shit and try to make me look like I'm some jealous asshole. Nope, now I got to fucking kill you. Okay, not kill you. But now I got to beat the shit out of you. If you're going to put the cops on me, I'm definitely, you're going to have to put them on me for a reason. And I don't give a fuck what beef in the city it starts and, like, his best friend is my homeboy's cousin. And I, and I told my dude, I was like, Jay, like, yo, if this goes down and your cousin gets into it, I'm t- you're, and we're no longer friends because of it, I'll accept that. And it sucks because I've known this man 15 years. And I ended just because, like, bro, I'm not going to let you slight me like that. If you want to jump into this, and this is the end, like, if you want to jump in any beat that I'm involved in against me, bro, be prepared. I'm taking on everything, and I'll die gladly. But before I go, I'm taking a bunch of motherfuckers with me. And I, and I it's just... It's it's scorched earth. And I don't know, man. It's just I hate feeling like that. This is part one. I'll come back later. Knockout two. But thank you.